I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. This is a pre-recorded program presented by KSL News Radio and Intermountain Healthcare. Healthy Mind Matters, brought to you by Intermountain Healthcare. We discuss the important community issues of stronger mental health, emotional wellness, and the growing problem of addiction. Here's our host, Maria Chaleos, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Thank you for joining us today for Healthy Mind Matters. Today we are talking about a bold initiative by Intermountain Healthcare Primary Children's Hospital to expand pediatric behavioral health services. And with me today, Katie Welke. She is the CEO of Primary Children's Hospital and Vice President of Intermountain Children's Health. And Julie and Greg Cook, uh, they are the parents of five children, and they are the founding well, Greg, you're the founding executive of doTERRA Essential Oils Company and a member of Primary Children's Hospital Governing Board. And the two of you have also made this bold new initiative possible. But, Katie, I'd like to start with you, first of all, and have you, first of all, describe what we're talking about. What is it that you hope to do? Well, I think, Maria, it's probably helpful to understand that we really have a crisis in behavioral health. I think it exists within the country as a whole. Um, and certainly in Utah, and as a as a healthcare facility and a facility that truly loves children, we knew that we needed to do something to help the kids in our community. And we've seen increasing emergency room visits from children who are in crisis from behavioral health. We know that in Utah, kids really are at risk for suicide. In fact, it's the number one cause of death for kids between the ages of 10 and 17. And that is just a tragic, tragic statistic. And we really wanted to make sure that we could do something to help kids. So this is um, this is just an exciting, exciting initiative to truly provide access to kids and families for behavioral health care. We know how important the family is in the work that's being done. Um, And there's a number of initiatives that are underway with the support of Greg and Julie. Um, The first is about how do you access care? And for kids, accessing care is is really important because right now, I think when a child is is having a crisis, when they're sick, when they're depressed, when they're having a challenge, parents get on the phone and they just start calling and they can't always find help. And so our objective is to make sure that when, when when a child needs care, They get the right care at the right level where it makes the most sense for them. Julie and Greg, this is not the first time that you have stepped up to really help in these important initiatives. Tell me why this one has really resonated with you and why you are helping them with a $10 million gift to Primary Children's Hospital. Well, we sat down with Katie and and some of the other leaders of Intermountain. Um, It's actually been almost two years ago. And when we learned that this was an area that they that we had mutual concern with we decided that this was an area that we could truly make a difference we have had experiences with family and friends um, and just like katie mentioned as parents have kids that are in crisis and are struggling they don't know where to turn 
and sometimes they'll they'll be searching and there just aren't enough resources to accommodate all the kids that are needing the help right now. And so this was an area that we really felt like we could make a difference and and help those that we know and care about as well as those that we have never met and will never meet but that also need that kind of care. Greg, how are you hoping to make a difference? How are you hoping this will help? So I think there's a number of different ways that we think we can help. Number one, we're going to leverage the amazing, awesome uh, power of Intermountain and their network and their their amazing docs and their uh, their level of care, which is the best in the world. Um, I think ultimately we hope that we can sort of bring Utah and, and our community here in Utah into a better position. Uh, historically, Utah has, as the data indicates, that in comparison to the amount of need that there is to the resources available, Utah hasn't fared very well. Um, and so we hope that with the the resources that we're bringing to the table and the passion and, and enthusiasm that we have for engaging in this, that we can get more people involved, that we can raise awareness. We've been a part of the the state of Utah's awareness campaign, uh, which has been really incredible as well. And we, so we hope we can raise awareness. We can destigmatize uh, all the the problems, you know, the thinking that we have in our communities and our societies related to suicide. And so we just, I think, ultimately, we want to make a difference, for, especially for young kids, where uh, it really is. It, you can make the biggest differences with these kids 10 to 17. Not only are they facing this more than than most, this is now number one or number two cause of death, um, but they're the ones who can be influenced the most and impacted the most by programs like this. Katie, it's really difficult for me to hear that we have to be concerned about 10-year-olds or very young children being in a situation where they are having suicidal thoughts. Explain that. Yeah, what are what's happening? Why are we seeing that? What, I, I think for most people, I mean, a teenager goes through so many hormonal changes, ups and downs, and trying to figure out their independence and who they are. But when we start talking about someone as young as 10, that just seems extraordinary. Yeah, it is. And it's tragic um, when it happens, it, especially when you know that kids at that developmental stage really don't understand you know, permanency of death. They don't have the the cognitive ability to really understand what's going to happen. Um, but our, our world is a lot more complex than it was when you and I were children. And the the stressors that kids face today are very different. They With social media, um, with your life being out where everybody can see, with increased screen time, so they're just different stressors than you and I saw. Um, and I think we need to make sure that kids are raised with the, the resiliency they need in order to combat the new stressors that exist in their lives. And I agree, it's, it is heartbreaking when you see kids come in and it can be a very sudden, you know, sudden something happens and they just overreact and they do something that clearly if they had the ability to think about the long-term consequences would, would most likely choose not to do. Um, but they just don't have that ability at this point. Mm -hmm. And interestingly, 
the new um, there's new research with COVID as well that kids are facing um, increased stress. I just saw an article this morning about children who um, are seeing increased anxiety um, because of their social isolation, increased stress, increased depression. Um, and, and at first, we thought that kids were going to fare pretty well with COVID, but this is some recent study that I believe the 4-H um, council did and really saw that, that we, know, we knew that adults were having increased stress with COVID, but children are having that increased stress as well. Well, and their world has changed, just like our world has changed. And uh, the way that they're able to interact with their peers has definitely taken a turn. Yeah, absolutely agree. I mean, they, they were they were far more facile with communicating through um, through video and and the um, and texting and other forms. I mean, we had to learn a lot from them during COVID, but they are also very used to being around their friends and having all of that social interaction as well. And if you think about I mean, if you're you're having some of the milestones of your life, those rites of passages um, are canceled. That's that's stressful. Oh, no doubt about it. I, I can't imagine uh, having a high school senior who can't go through graduation or some of those things uh, or a, a child that their dream is to play football. And now they can't show uh, people their skills, the coaches their skills because they're not able to play their game. So, yeah, I can I can imagine those. Let's take a break. When we come back, I really want to dig in and talk about how you hope to expand your programs and really improve access for children. And you're listening to Healthy Mind Matters on KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.